Kia ora, no mai, haere mai, and welcome to the Able Audio Podcast. Music technology provides musicians with exciting ways of making and recording music, but so often, both musicians and technology companies leave out the needs of disabled peoples. I'm Sam Morgan, a musician and producer based in Te Whanganui Atara, Wellington and Aotearoa, New Zealand. I have a degenerative eye condition, which has meant that over the last few years, attending shows and going to gigs has become increasingly difficult. I'm also having to work out what it means for me in the coming years if I'm to lose my sight, how will I continue to make music in such a computer-focused space. This podcast seeks to bring to light the exciting work people are doing in this space, elevating the voices and concerns of disabled people and music technology. In each episode, I talk to a different music technologist about their practice, background in music, and how their work interacts with the world of disability. Welcome to the Able Audio Podcast, proudly brought to you by the New Zealand Music Commission. In this episode, we talk to Megan Steinberg. Megan is an experimental composer and abstract turntablist based in London. She works with found sound, chance procedures, graphic scores, quietness, and microtonality. Originally a jazz guitarist, Megan studied composition at Brunel University, where she fell into experimental music. After discovering free improv using objects, violin, and cello, in 2016, she began performing free improv and experimental music for single deck analog turntable. As a free improv abstract turntablist, Megan is interested in furthering the repertoire and exploring performance techniques for the instrument. In 2018, she embarked on a Finnish tour with solo turntable material and has performed with other musicians including Elliot Galvin, Benedict Taylor and Jen Kirby. Megan is currently studying a PhD at Royal Northern College of Music, where she has been appointed the Lucy Hale Doctoral Composer in association with Drake Music from 2021. Her project is focused on the creation of works for disabled musicians, new instruments and AI, placing accessibility at the beginning of the compositional process. Here's my conversation with Megan. What got you into accessibility? Yeah, it's a really interesting question because I get asked this quite a lot and there isn't a moment that I can think of because when you have a disability or a long-term health condition, you're always managing it. And I met with a friend recently who has just developed or is developing a disability long-term health condition and she's a musician and artist herself and she said something really poignant which is that it's a full-time job having a disability like managing it managing your health making adjustments and working around and living is like more work and so I've had these you know health conditions since I was a teenager and that's the same time that I really started pursuing music as a career so it's always been a quite selfish concern to make sure that I can do what I want to do but then you become aware of of other people as well who are living with different conditions and needs and I think I particularly started noticing it in the industry when I started working in the industry um, and noticing inequalities I don't remember there being like a significant moment. It's just always been a requirement like in my life to think about access. Um, I did have a really amazing job at the British Library here in London 
um, working on their learning schemes, um, which involved outreach with uh, groups, people with additional needs. And I think that was such an amazing job that the like facilitation and outreach and engagement and inclusion became really important to me. And I just found myself kind of knowing more than the average person about disability rights and disability equality and started being an advocate but I'm not sure how it happened. I guess you just, you take that experience of being your own advocate and you apply it to other people. Um, and I thought that was really important, but selfishly, whenever I'm acting as an advocate, it's it's for my own benefit. Yeah, so I don't think there was a particular moment. It's just, it's always there. Mm. Uh, obviously, if you have a disability you don't need to be an advocate for other people like we're not a monolith um you will obviously have more awareness than other people but it's not a requirement that you be an activist just because you're disabled like i just think i felt a lot of discomfort and outrage seeing inequality in the music industry and had to do something about it in whatever way I could and that's still something that I'm reckoning with and trying to decide what it is that I can do. How much of your work do you try and advocate and spread awareness about disabilities to your peers that maybe aren't disabled? I think I don't I up until now I haven't had any works that explicitly discuss disability i think there's some it's thematically there's some yeah there's some themes in my work that imply conversations about disability but it was only when i got this phd position with drake music that i started thinking about music as activism art as activism so very little up until now and now I'm starting to think about it as a means to communicating things about disability to the world um, and it's really interesting it's definitely a thing that I have to work on because I haven't done it up until this point my works have not been explicitly about anything I felt quite strongly in the past that sound is is just sound but also that if I'm <laughs> if I'm disabled then all my music is disabled music uh even if it's not about in quotation marks disability so yeah it's a really interesting question about where the line is and what is art as activism and how explicit do you have to be and what are you trying to say with music um, and how are you trying to say it and does it matter if it's explicit or not is it you know poetic and implied or is it like very explicitly showing something about disability culture or inequality I think they're all really really important questions that I'm currently actually having to think about um, and listening to a lot of music that does try to make statements about political and social issues um because i would really like to i think be quite explicit i think i'd like to do both i think mm. i would like to make some pieces that are explicit and very clearly say something and raise awareness through the music and then also do some work that is inspired by that but maybe is not the audience does not go away realizing that they have seen you know a politically driven piece of work but it was their 
driving the work. Mm. So I have just done a piece. I'm working on a piece at the moment that premieres in Manchester in October of this year that is influenced and inspired by the process of artificial intelligence and um, the generalization of artificial intelligence that is often very biased against people with disabilities, um, as well as people, you know, from ethnic minorities and uh, gender minorities. That piece is not explicit in that relationship, in that inspiration, but it was integral to the making of the piece. So I don't think as an audience member, if you listen to the piece, I don't think you would necessarily know that. And the question is, like, is that important? And I think for the music, it's not important. But if I'm trying to display some kind of activism, then it does need to be more explicit. So, yeah, I think I'll do both now and I'm going to start working on a piece um, later in the year for next year that will deal explicitly with my own health condition and um, my own experiences and try to raise awareness of that in particular with a couple of other performers. Um, Yeah, so I think it's getting the best of both worlds and deciding for yourself what's important. The piece about AI processes I think it sounds really good (laughs) and I think that's one of the most important things about music it doesn't come across as um you know if the meaning behind it doesn't come across but it sounds really good and people enjoy it as a piece of music then I'm still happy yeah I think it's an interesting one because I think when I asked that question about like advocating and um I think advocating in my mind is always like raising your stomping your feet on the ground sort of thing and saying this is not okay but that's not always possible in a piece of music I think if you've got the if you're big and famous like Kanye West then maybe you can go hey let's um, make sure that people have access to um, all of this and it's just hard Mm -hmm. to convey it in a piece of art Um, yeah yeah, I think it's it's so tricky. Um, mm. And you're right, like, at, we think about activism, you're right, it's, like, kind of loud, obvious, getting the attention and demanding change, and it is, and that's what it should be. But sometimes activism is also just, like, existing as a disabled person and just making something as a disabled person and being like, hey, I'm over here, mm. and, like, I... Ex- and just being like I exist and that can also be a kind of activism um and so that's what that piece is doing I think is just quietly (laughs) being like I'm here and we're here and listen to these cool sounds and then there is uh, like the the process and the structure of the piece is symbolic of these bias processes and so i think even if it isn't explicit i think that audiences will come away with the sense of structure of the piece and what happened in the piece and that will affect them in a certain way and they'll still recognize it even if they don't link it to disability and access in artificial intelligence they'll still you know have come away with this feeling of what happened over the course of the piece Mm. um and i have you know opportunity to also do some more explicit activism pieces as well which i will work on so um it has been a question that's been 
on my mind an awful lot. Um, mm. But I don't know if there's one answer. I think you just have to decide what what you want to do and what what's important to you. Um, and I did decide when I started this work with Drake Music that it was important to me to say something and to try and affect change. And that does sometimes mean stamping your foot and and making a message really clear uh and the next piece that will probably involve some text so uh that and text helps because it's it's a a clearer form of communication than music to get a point across using language tell me more about your phd project yeah so um it's in collaboration with drake music who are a disability music technology charity here in the UK. And the uh, kind of the premise of the project is looking at what universal design in music can be. So I've kind of called it universal composition and what what does that actually mean? And I think that's that's what I'm exploring. I, I don't suggest that I'm going to have a, a, an answer, uh, but just looking at what it might mean. So universal design in the world it's mainly an architectural term and a design term for creating products and buildings. It's basically the theory that if you design something for as many people as possible, then everyone benefits. So that, yeah, so it's like immediately, you know, designing buildings with ramps, designing rooms with adjustable lighting, with signs that have brailles and space for braille, designing buildings that have lifts put in. Um, there's also the universal design and learning, UDL, which is a pedagogical uh, theory. And that's, you know, designing education. So it's um, accessible. And yeah, it's basically this idea that you start with accessibility. You start with the question of making something as accessible as possible rather than adding it on at the end. So in architecture, that would be a building that has lifts and ramps for people using wheelchairs and with mobility impairments. And that also benefits, you know, people who have buggies and people who are feeling tired and or suffer from fatigue. Um, you know, it benefits everyone. And then and that's, you know, built into the blueprints of the building at the design stage as a given uh the alternative that you see in older buildings before universal design was made um a thing in architecture in the 20th century is you know buildings that have lots of steps <laughs> buildings that are not built on ground level um and they or they have like a step into the building and so the afterthought is possibly like buying a mobile ramp um and somewhere I used to work when I was a teenager I worked in a cafe that was a quite a relatively old building and um if somebody came through with a who was using a wheelchair we would have to go back into the back of the cafe and get out this very heavy ramp and put this very heavy ramp down and the person using a wheelchair was just like waiting uh, very patiently um uh, all credit to those customers that I served that waited very patiently for this ramp to be put in. Um, that's an example of, you know, an afterthought of accessibility. That's accessibility at the end of the process. Um, and so what I've been thinking about is how does universal design work in music? Like, what does it look like in music to think about accessibility first? Um, and I think that's a weird concept for a lot of people because they think, well, 
music is just accessible right like you don't have to do anything special and that's not true so so far what it's meant is i've been making different scores for different people based on what um requirements and what requirements they have and how they learn so the piece that i've been working on that premieres in october outlier it everyone has a different score because i had individual conversations with each performer and asked them how they learn best and they all of them had a different answer and so i've made a graphic score and a video score um i've made an audio score for people who like me um respond best to um auditory input and then i've made a tactile score which is quite an interesting one for um, a performer who identifies as neurodivergent who wanted to respond to touch um and so i made him like a score it has lots of different materials on it and it, it shows the change in timbre over the piece so it starts with very soft it's like very soft material and then moves to like crumpled crumpled i can't get the word out um like crumpled paper and tissue paper and then moves to tin foil and hard material so moving from this soft to hard and the other scores show that movement as well just in a visual way or in an auditory way and that was something that I really enjoyed actually it was a really interesting experience as composers we're used to just making whatever score we want like what we think is best for us and then communicating that and then performers you know have to interpret that and as an experimental composer I'm very used to making graphic scores and text scores and then having performers interpret that and this is kind of flipping it on its head and asking the performers what they want the score to be um and it's very different process than you would normally do but I think that that's what an example of what universal design in music can be but there could also be adjustments or the music is written for the performers so if I'm working with a performer who is triggered by particular noises for example they have a health condition that means that hearing particular kinds of sounds is very uncomfortable and I won't use those sounds like and it will directly impact the piece um, and I think that might be the more controversial part of this project is I'm changing my compositional creative ideas to fit the requirements of the performers, but I'm embracing that basically and, and taking it as part of the design of the piece is the access requirements. Just like part of the design of a building is to include lifts within the building they're part of the building and they can be part of the design and the architecture of a building the requirements of the performers or the audience are part of the design of the piece so that's i think what i'm getting at with the universal composition what i'm discovering is that it's actually universal is a bit of a misnomer <laughs> um because there really isn't a way of doing something that fits everybody there really is not a one-size-fits-all. And one of the critiques of universal design is that it somewhat erases the unique experiences of disabled people and tries to make it a one-size-fits-all, which is not possible. Um, but because there are people have different needs and actually recognising that certain access requirements are going to clash with another person's access requirements is really important. And it's just about 
I think what I'm discovering in the music is that it's about addressing the individual and the needs of the individual. So universality is actually talking to everybody individually and not trying to find a one-fits-all approach. Mm, That's a huge critique because we're working, you know, like pushing for uh, universal design in general. And then it's kind of like the lived experiences of people is so important. Um, One thing I wanted to ask is because you're fascinated by space, silence and architecture. Do you Mm -hmm. feel like performance spaces, if if it is built with the space you're in is built with universal design in Mm -hmm. mind or when you're giving a score to a performer the performer performs differently because you've taken into consideration their access needs or the space is more accessible yeah i mean now i I, i'm so aware of these things and i am i'm always the first person to ask about access requirements and put access requirements first that i always find accessible spaces um and hopefully that means i mean that the performer can show up and not be uncomfortable and and do their best yeah definitely it just shows like thoughtfulness i kind of see it as the bare minimum to be honest (laughs) but Mm. a lot of people don't a lot of people do not um in terms of space and the music like i just love architecture and i think the space that you're playing in does have direct and indirect control over sound and I like to play with that a lot in the music and I think that yeah different people with different experiences different lived experience different attitudes different perspectives they will have a different perspective on the space but I think the most important thing is they're comfortable in the space and that will always lead to a better performance but I do love I love writing music that can involve the space that it's in somehow, whether that's the resonance or get like particular harmonics that <laughs> ring out in particular spaces or the shape of a piece influenced by the shape of the room that it's in. And I think that performers definitely have a lot to do with that because they're the ones making the sounds in the space. Um, and it has to be, yeah, it has to be accessible for them. It's a really interesting question because, yeah, I think about it as the bare minimum of you have to, you have to make it get an accessible space for people. And I hope I'm doing a good enough job at, at that but we can always do better as well. Mm. For people that maybe are listening that are composers themselves or musicians themselves that don't have any experience with working with people with disabilities or don't have a disability themselves, do you have any tips or tricks on... Ask. (laughs) Ask. Don't be afraid to ask and listen the person that you are speaking to don't yeah don't make any assumptions because the person you're speaking to lives with that condition and even if it's like new and they're learning it's still theirs and they know more than you (laughs) so don't don't make any assumptions and ask don't don't be afraid to ask i think maybe particularly in britain i'm not sure about in new zealand but particularly in britain we have a bit of a politeness issue where we don't want to ask about people's requirements because we think it's you know prying or rude and it's completely the opposite ask from that ask right at the beginning is the best advice i can give because you might ask too late and realize that you have got an inaccessible process or space so ask right at the beginning 
And I hope what my project can do is teach people this, is if you start with it as the first question, then you won't have any problems and it will all be fine. Just listen to what they say, um, trust them because they're adults and they know what they're doing and they had to make adjustments and live. they live their life 24-7 with that disability. So they know how um, to work and what they need. So yeah, just I think there's, you know, good and bad ways of asking, but one, you know, just a standard, do you have any access requirements? Just ask before you start working with someone as soon as you do start working with someone don't be afraid of that um you know because they'll tell you in response to that question don't always assume that people will tell you without being prompted because sometimes as a person with disabilities or long-term health conditions if someone doesn't ask it can be hard to bring it up because if they don't ask if they don't bring it up they're it's I feel personally like oh they're not ready they they don't know how to handle this so I'm not going to bring it up um and that's going to get in the way and that's going to cause major problems so yeah don't don't assume that someone will tell you if you don't ask them um and put it right at the beginning of the process you have access riders in the UK so we we don't oh they're so simple i mean to be honest they're quite rarely used yeah um i think that be really that's a really great thing to mention to everyone listening if you know a musician or an artist with disability or health condition if you yourself have one or you work with musicians a lot um or performers of any kind tell them about an access rider which is basically like a tech rider but for your requirements and it can be a really easy way of communicating it yeah we do have them they are endorsed in the uk by the musicians union so in the uk you can go to the mu website and and find all information about that and lots of examples and i have one that i send out to people and i think it'd be amazing if it was like a more established thing that people did so yeah plug access riders (laughs) yeah (laughs) get people Um... to use them because the more people that use them the more normal it will be and i don't think you guys i I imagine you guys have like a union body or like representation for musicians really not not, well yes but yes but not for disabled people i suppose we're quite backward we don't have much funding in terms of accessibility Mm -hmm. like if we want to put nzsl new zealand sign language on something there's no funding for that so most Uh. of the staff doesn't have it and yeah new zealand is quite it's kind of seen as like this very accessible place and well not accessible Mm -hmm. place but very warm and welcoming but we're mm. quite backward in a lot of these things. Um, but with the access riders, it's kind of like certain artists will ask for only orange Skittles in a bowl. <laughs> it's like, yeah. all I ask for is you have a light in the hallway yeah. between to get to the green room. It's... I think oh, I don't know it's because so, my access rider has like the musicians union logo on it and I re- think that's really important because it gives some validity to a lot of organizations who may have never seen one before and yeah maybe have the attitude of oh what is this I don't want to bother with this mm. if you put the here if you put the MU logo on it uh, which they you know you can get from their website that gives some kind of validity to it mm. so it'd be great if some yeah New Zealand 
organization yeah. could endorse one, but that doesn't mean you can't make one for yourself and mm. send it to people and still like go just go. Yeah, the Musicians Union website, which is UK based, does have great examples. Uh, there are other websites that I cannot think of off the top of my head that also have them. But yeah, just look up Access Riders. It was really interesting talking to Megan, discussing her approaches to accessibility within music. Her use of music technology to promote individual accessibility as a response to ideas of universal design prompted me to question my approaches around accessibility. This podcast has been funded by the New Zealand Music Commission and brought to you with help from producer Jesse Austin-Stewart and Arts Access Aotearoa. I'm Sam Morgan, and this has been the Able Audio Podcast.